0: Okay, well, let's pray. Father, tonight we thank you that you are as real as anything that we can see in the material world. In fact, you're more real than that because the spirit world is actually more permanent than the physical world. I thank you, Father, that it's your will to speak to us. It's your will to bring revelation to our hearts. And so tonight, we're just going to ask for your will. We believe for a spirit of revelation to come to us. I ask you, Lord, for for true boldness in the spirit that we will be able to make a stand for you in our lives, make decisions that are permanent decisions for the benefit of the kingdom. Father, tonight we give you praise and we give you thanks. And I really believe that you you anoint what is said, but more than that, you anoint the ears of the hearers, that we hear what you have to say. We thank you for it tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 We didn't meet two weeks ago, um, but I did teach, I I had a teaching two weeks ago that I talked to the other group. uh, And in it, I talk a lot about God's covenant. Well, America's covenant with God. Uh, and if you haven't heard that, um, Tammy, I'll tell you how to find it. And um, we really need to understand that America has a covenant with God, and that that to stray from that covenant is to is for America to take herself out from under. God's covering of blessing and protection. And so our prayer and our confessions we're going to talk about tonight need to be geared toward our nation returning to him. So if you haven't heard that I would love for you to listen to it and because we if you just look at the history of the United States of America our forefathers without even, I mean, at different times and different places, without really knowing what someone else said, made, a covenant, made the same covenant with God over and over again. And I, it, it's, it's, worth, it's worth taking a look at, at just the history of our nation and, and seeing what men and women have said over the centuries. Now, I'm going to go to tonight's message, but if you get a chance, you ought to listen to that, I think. I'm going to read tonight. The first passage I'm going to read is from Judges chapter 6. Beginning in verse 12, the Bible says this, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? And now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Democrats. I mean, the, the Midianites. <laughs> and the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? Now that's a very interesting passage of scripture. The Israelites had forsaken God. The book of Judges, if you read the book of Judges, it talks about a generation that came uh, on the scene after the death of Joshua and Joshua's people. And these people didn't know or didn't didn't pursue God anymore. And so what happened with Israel in these days is that they forsook God and began to worship the gods of the people in that land. And they began to blend in with those people. And then, the, then God let the Midianites and the different ones overtake them until a judge would arise. And in this case, that judge is Gideon, even though he doesn't know it yet. And so God, uh, I mean, here is Gideon. He's hiding from the Midianites. All the Israelites are subjected to them. They're being robbed daily of everything they produce and work for. I mean, the Midianites do the work in the field. They get the crop, they harvest it. And then the Midianites come and take it away from them. In fact, in verse six of that same chapter, it says that the Israelites were impoverished. They were impoverished. They are covenant people. If you read the covenant, you read the blessing of God on those who obey God, poverty is not in the blessing of God. Poverty is a curse. Uh, I'm going to tell you this right now. I I don't think I mentioned this last night. But if you look at scripture and you look at what, what poverty is, poverty is not about money. Poverty is a spiritual issue. And you look at our country in 1963, I believe it was, Lyndon Johnson declared a war on poverty in America. We have spent literally billions and billions and billions of dollars throwing money at poverty. Ronald Reagan said, we lost the war on poverty because you can't destroy a spiritual problem with money. These people were impoverished because they left their covenant with Almighty God. And that's what's going on. And then all of a sudden, Gideon is there he's threshing out the wheat he's hiding from the midianites while he's doing it an angel appears to him now have you ever read about angels appearing to people in the bible what normally happens normally the first thing the angel has to say is don't be afraid because people are terrified of these awesome beings that show up but in this particular case the angel shows up and tells gideon that he's a mighty man of valor and what does gideon do He complains to him. He's not afraid of him. He just complains. If the Lord is for us, why is all this happening to us? If the Lord is for us, where are the miracles? We've heard about all the miracles. Why is this happening to us? He complains to an angel. He's not in awe of him. He simply complains to an angel. That is an amazing part of this story to me. You would think that the guy would at least be taken aback a little bit that there's a presence of an angel there, but he only complains to him. You know what? I think I was the pastor of a church like that one time. (laughs) Isn't it amazing sometimes how Christians complain to God? Not in awe of him, but complain. I mean, he just complains. He says, where are the miracles? Why don't we have any miracles? And the angel, I love this. The angel says, well, the miracles are in you. The miracles are in you. I've sent you. Again, it sounds like the church. It's like, what, what are we going to do? I mean, we, these are terrible times for the church, or terrible times for the nation, terrible times. We need a miracle. We need God to move. We need some kind of a miracle. You know, I found over the years in my, in my life, sometimes I think I'm waiting on God, but you know what I find out? God's waiting on me. He's waiting on me to believe what he said and act on what he's told me to do. Here, there, people are saying we need a miracle. Many people think they're praying. Have you ever have you ever prayed, but it wasn't really prayer? You were just complaining. I mean, you know. I mean, I know I know of a preacher, and I think and it's probably even happened to me where he was praying and he was complaining. He was talking about God, about all the problems in the church and the country, all the problems, all the problems. God come, God interrupts his his time. and says, "What are you doing?" And the guy says, "Well, God, I'm praying." And the Lord says, "You're not praying, you're complaining." There's a huge difference between praying and complaining. Prayer time is not complaint time. Prayer time is the time we agree with him. We we say what he says. We come into The Bible says he knows what you need before you ask him. We need to come into agreement with him. That's what prayer time is about. It's not complaining. People are saying, where are the miracles? Where are the miracles? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. They are in us. The miracles are in us. God is calling us. In this hour of the church, in this hour of our nation, God is calling us. Gideon, he tells him, the t- angel tells him, tells him he's a mighty man of valor and all those things. And I guess Gideon thinks he's just kidding him. And so Gideon says... To the angel, he says, he reminds the angel of the fact that he's the least of the least family of the least tribe in Israel. And he can't possibly do what God has called him to do. Now, which is more ridiculous, to think that way or to say it out loud? I mean, he out loud tells the angel he can't do what God is telling him to do. I can't possibly do that. I I am the least of the least of the least. Let me just say something to you. There may only be a few of us but numbers aren't important. You know the story of Gideon, right? I mean, he, he hears God. And he, he lays the fleece out a couple of times. And then he gets his army of 10,000 men. And, he, and, and, and they're going to fight against the Midianites. And they are still severely outnumbered by about, I think, 25 to 1 or something. They're going to get slaughtered even with, if, with 10,000 people, according to the natural. And God helps him grow his army from 10,000 to 300. And with 300 people. Hearing the voice of God, doing what God told them to do, the the Midianite army actually destroys themselves because he simply listened to what God said. I'm going to tell you right now, what's going on in this country is awful. I mean, the the left-wing agenda is terrible for the church, it's terrible for the Christian, it's terrible for the American. And it seems like there is nothing we can do But I'm going to tell you that God is bigger than they are. God knows more than they do. The enemy of God may be smug and think they've got it all done. The Bible says God laughs at them. He laughs at them because their plan is ridiculous. God is so much bigger than they are. I I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit one time. And in this encounter, it it was a fantastic encounter. But at one point in my encounter... He touched me with his finger on my cheek. And I remember thinking that that was the most awesome touch i would ever experienced. He just touched me with his finger. But then I got this revelation and I felt sorry for his enemies. He touched me and it was all favor and all good. But I'm telling you, if you're on the backside of his hand and he swipes at you, you're done for. I felt sorry for his enemies. If we get in agreement with Him, if we can just come to the place that we will trust Him, believe Him, quit complaining about what's going on in our nation to God, quit, it's amazing, the Christians get together and they just complain about what's going on, that, oh, this is the worst ever, we have the worst government ever, we have blah, blah, blah. Listen, what about agreeing with God and reminding God of His covenant with the United States of America? You see, God chose Israel, but America chose God. And we made covenant with him. We made a covenant with him about this nation. And why don't we just begin to remind him of his covenant? Why don't we begin to remind him of his promise? That's what needs to happen. Where are the miracles? There in us. He's calling us. The Lord told Gideon, he said, surely I will be with thee. Doesn't matter how small we are. Doesn't matter how inept we may think we are. With God, the Bible says. I love the part it says, "With God, all things are possible." And then Jesus said, "All things are possible to him that believeth." Well, if we believe what God has said, I'm telling you, He is with us. We must not ever allow the devil or the circumstances to rob us of focus in this time. This should be the finest hour in the history of the church. It should be the finest hour. I mean, there is nothing out there but opportunity. Nothing out there but opportunity. When does the light seem to shine the brightest? When it's dark. I mean, if you walk into a dark room and somebody just lights a match, your eyes will be drawn to the match drawn to the light. Because it's dark. This is the time we need to rise and shine. This is the time the church ought to just be just be blazing with the fire of God. Now I'm not talking about the church that's still asleep and acting like there's nothing to fight for. I'm not talking about those that, 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 that are just complaining because their their entitlements aren't being achieved and, and their felt needs aren't being rubbed. I'm talking about people that, 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 are, that are true believers. I'm not talking about all that's happening in some of the, 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 the mega churches with the celebrity pastors and, and it's an entertainment business type thing. And I'm talking about true believers, the remnant of true believers who are willing to stand and fight in the spirit for the church and for the nation. I'm talking about those who are, are willing to get out of it's unfair to me and say, you know what, let's fight for the kingdom. Let's stand for the kingdom. See, I'm talking about people who will stand against evil for the righteous cause of revival to the church and to this nation. So here's who I'm talking about. Us. I'm talking about you and me. That's who we are. We're willing to take that stand. The Lord is with us. I think we need to every day wake up and remind the devil that the Lord is with us. When he comes and says, you're not doing any good, you're the smallest of the smallest tribe, of the smallest everything, you are insignificant, we need to remind him, the Lord is with us. He is with us. The miracles are in us. He has called us, no matter how hopeless it seems or how insignificant we may think we are, the Lord is with us. How about this verse? Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. you talking about governments coming to the brightness of God's glory. That's what needs to happen in the church. We need to focus. We have a job To do. So let me describe the job for just a minute. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, verse 16, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. That's a powerful statement. It is of faith that it might be by grace. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, right? That's what the Bible says. Now, how does the grace abound? How does How does grace come? Well, the Bible teaches it, and in this verse it says it, it is a faith that it might be by grace. Grace always travels through the channel of faith. When we believe God, grace comes. How did you get saved? You believed, you spoke with your mouth, and then what happened? You were saved by grace because grace came when you believed. And said something with your mouth. As you receive, this is what the Bible says: As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. We walk with Jesus the way we received Him. We we believe in our heart, we say with our mouth, and now the grace comes to back up what God has said. That's a pretty powerful theology. And that's what the scripture teaches over and over again. It says, Therefore it's of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. In other words, everybody can do it. If you had to be educated, some might not get it. If you had to be rich, some might not get it. But it comes the same to every single one. We believe God and grace flows to us. It says, Not only that which is of the law, but that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Here's our job. We must begin prophesying in the spirit realm and calling for what God wants instead of what we have. We need to call for what God wants in America instead of complaining about the way it is. We must, we must begin to prophesy. We must begin to speak the word of God and the will of God in this nation. All Gideon could see was what he had or didn't have. All the angels saw was what God wanted. And that's what he spoke. That's what he said. God wants this nation. He wants her very, very much. He loves the United States. We may think, well, you know, it's so bad here, even God doesn't like us anymore. That isn't true. He loves the covenant we made. He loves this nation. He loves it. Man, we made this covenant with him in our beginning, and he wants us to see it through. That's what we need to begin to talk about. If we'll turn to him, he will be with us, and he will heal our land. He will do it. It's a matter of faith. It's not a matter of politics. You know, God is bigger than Donald Trump, bigger than the Republican Party. Listen, faith in God is bigger than all of those things together. We need to know that if we'll be people of faith and we will choose to want what he wants, begin to say what he wants, begin to say what he said. Much of the church, I mean, they're griping about what's going on. They're complaining about what's happening. Oh, it's it's bad. It's bad. It's like being, getting on the elevator on the first floor and needing to get to the 10th floor and you keep pushing the one and you're trying to figure out why you're not going anywhere. It's because you've not called for anything. You're declaring what you have, and you're pushing the button over and over and over, and you're not going anywhere by declaring what you have. We need to begin to declare something bigger than what we have. Declare what God has said. Jesus told his disciples, he said, you know what? If you would just believe what you say, not only would you do what I just did to that fig tree, but you'd speak to that mountain and tell it to be removed and cast into the sea, and it would obey you. See, because we have to call not for what we have. I mean, Jesus could have gone to the fig tree and said, Oh, man, this thing is just not, it did not have any figs today. It lied to me because it it showed that it had figs based on its leaves and all those types of things. It showed that, and Jesus answered it, though. He didn't say, Oh, I'm sorry, you don't have any figs. No, Jesus answered it because it it lied to him. And he said, You know what? No man's going to eat fruit from you hereafter forever. And those disciples thought, That guy's nuts. He's talking to a tree. But you know what? When they passed by the next morning, Peter was like, Shazam, Jesus. That tree is dead. We need to declare with our mouth, just like God gave to Jeremiah the authority to pull down, to tear down, to plant, to build with our mouths. With our saying what God said. See, that's our job. Not not reminding God of what we have, but reminding God of what He said. God wants us to do that. We need to be we need to be instead of being thermometers, because the thermometer tells what it is. We need to be thermostats. You go in here and you change the thermostat. What happens? The whole system goes to work to produce what you just called for. When we Call for the will and the plan of God. All of heaven goes to work to bring it to pass. Well, that's really pretty good. Jesus said, if you don't confess me, the word confess means to agree. If you don't agree with me before men, I'm not going to agree with you before the Father. And I'm thinking, but you're Jesus. You probably ought to be doing that anyway. And he's like, no, if you don't agree with me, I'm not going to take your negative confession to the Father as the priest of your confession. He said, but you know what? If you will agree with me, it means if you will agree and say out loud is what it really means. If you'll agree with me and speak out loud before men, I'm going to take it to the Father. And angels are dispatched on your behalf. Heaven gets behind what we say when it agrees with what God says. It's a matter of faith. So think about America. Think about it. Our nation was birthed out of what was called the Great Awakening. I mean, in the 1730s and 40s, George Whitfield preached in this nation, people came to God by the thousands and thousands. It produced a nationalist movement that produced the American Revolution that made this nation what it is. I mean, it, 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 that's what we were birthed out of. Today, we need another awakening. And I believe Man, man, man. I believe it's occurring in pockets all over this nation. I believe in living rooms all across the country. People just like us are beginning to make a confession for what God wants in this land. Beginning to take a stand in the Spirit for what the Spirit of God wants to do. That's what God wants to see happen. I tell you, things are changing that we can't see. But it's happening everywhere. All over our country it's happening. we need an awakening the Bible, The Bible says this in isaiah fifty nine and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. That sounds a little bit like america there's no there's no uh, uh, righteous judgment it says and the Lord saw it and was displeased it, and it displeased him there was no judgment, and he saw there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. I believe he is displeased because of the lack of, of judgment from the courthouse to the White House to the average American house. But I believe that people are awakening and they're judging righteously because they're beginning to speak what God has said. Man, I'll tell you, we need to be people who stand for what God has said. See, our nation is built on something different than complaining. It's built on something different than, than uh, that people just calling it the way it is. It's interesting, our coins, every coin, you can pull out any coin that anybody has that's an American coin. It has the word liberty and it has the phrase, in God we trust, on the head side of that coin. That's called the hero side by some people. And it signifies that if there's not trust in God, there is no liberty because that's the only place there is liberty, where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. We recognize that. Our founding fathers believed that the, our strength is rooted in God and that our progress, progress must always be under his watchful eye. I know you've looked at the $1 bill and you've seen the eye just above the broken pyramid on that $1 bill. It, 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 has that God, it means God is watching us. It has the words annuit uh, co which refer to God and say he has smiled on our undertakings. God's for us. Do you realize that every session of the House and every session of the Senate begins with prayer? Even the Democrat-controlled House and the Democrat-controlled Senate, it's open in prayer. And each house has a chaplain. Just off the, the rotunda of the Capitol is an area that's privately reserved for prayer and meditation by members of Congress. And it has a stained glass window that shows George Washington kneeling in prayer with Psalm 16.1 etched behind him, which says, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. That's in our our nation's capital. In the rotunda itself, there's a picture of the Speedwell, which is the sister ship to the Mayflower. On the sail can clearly be seen the pilgrim's motto, which says, in God we trust, God with us. I mean, if if you've ever been to Washington, D.C., the Bible is everywhere. I mean, it's in the buildings, it's everywhere. Above the head of the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court are engraved the Ten Commandments. Isn't that something? And they're guarded by a great eagle. In addition, every session of the court is closed by a crier who says, God save the United States and the Honorable Court. Now if we're going to if we're going to start making making confession, why don't we start saying that? God saved the United States in God we trust. Why don't we begin to make that our declaration instead of all oh, these dang Democrats look at all this stuff they're doing and listen we need to keep our eyes open we need to understand what's going on but our confession doesn't need to be complaining to the Lord I mean at the Lincoln Memorial, engraved at the Lincoln Memorial. Now this one they can't topple over. I just want you to know that. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I mean they can't topple that one over. It's engraved. This nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that the government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. And then it says a little bit later, as it was said 3,000 years ago, so it still must stand. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. I mean... Hundreds, perhaps thousands of people every day read those words at the Lincoln Memorial. The Library of Congress has scriptures engraved throughout, on the wall throughout it, including Psalm 19.1, which says, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. It also, it also has Micah 6.8, He has showed thee, O man, what is good. What doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Also, this one's in there. John 1.5, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, Just think about it. In the Library of Congress, on the Jefferson Memorial, his words say, God, who gave us life, gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we removed a conviction that those liberties are the gift of God? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, and his justice cannot sleep forever. Man the cap on the top of the Washington Monument. I mean, the very top, it says, praise be to God. <laughs> if you've ever ridden that elevator up to the, up the Washington Monument, there are scriptures all the way up to the top. As you walk, as you go up the Washington Monument, in every inaugural address of every president of the United States, except the current one and the one he served as vice president, in every one of those inaugural addresses, they include references to Almighty God. The constitutions of all 50 states, including California and New York, every one of them have refer to Almighty God, the author and sustainer of our liberty. There we go. Now we have something to talk about. We have almighty God. There's no doubt that God made our nation great. No doubt. Our forefathers believed that the Bible is God's word and the cornerstone of all of life. I mean, John Quincy Adams said, The first and almost the only book deserving of universal attention is the Bible. And the president said, Abraham Lincoln said, all the good from the savior of the world is communicated through this book. Talking about the Bible for the book, for, but for the book, we could not know right from wrong. All things desirable to man are contained in it. Even Woodrow Wilson, who was pretty liberal guy. He said, the Bible is the one supreme source of revelation of the meaning of life, the nature of God, and the spirit of nature and the need of, and, and the need of man, it is, it is the only guide to life which really leads the spirit in the way of peace and salvation. Think about this. This is the US, the United States Supreme Court. This is, it's a decision they made in 19, 1892. It's the Church of the Holy Trinity versus the United States. This is what they said. Our laws and our institutions must necessarily be based upon, based upon and embody the teachings of the Redeemer of all mankind. It is impossible that we should be otherwise, and in this sense and to this extent, our civilization and our institutions are emphatically Christian. These and many other matters, which might be noticed at add add a volume of unofficial declarations to the mass of organic utterances that this is a Christian nation. I agree with them. I agree. Well, yeah, but there's so much wrong. People, people have become secular. This is a christian nation why don't we call for what we can't see why don't we just call for it it can change all it takes is a hand of god listen one of three things is about to happen one is bad and two are really good the bad one is if the church doesn't rise up we're about to lose the nation The church has to rise up. The next thing, and this is what I think we're getting ready to see. I think we're getting ready to see a revival like this nation has never seen before. I think the charismatic renewal may be a drop in the bucket compared to the revival that's at hand. I think Azusa Street might be a drop in the bucket compared to the revival that's at hand. I think God is ready to to release His hand of mercy and favor on his people. And the light is going to shine so bright that they'll be drawn to him. I think God is going to move on people our age. I think we're going to be people that are going to be teaching and and, and ministering to all those young, former rioters with all those tattoos and piercings and all that stuff. And we're going to be teaching them the word of God. And we're going to see God move in America. And I believe they're going to be white, brown, black, and whatever other colors are out there. I believe we're going to see it because God is not a respecter of persons. So I think that's good. That's a good thing. The only other thing that can happen, I think, is we're about to experience the rapture of the church. And that's good too. I mean, we're going to, just think about it. Being caught up in the air with Jesus. I, man, I think we're gonna. To I, I told. I, I said last night. I want. I want it to be the revival, and then I want to be here for the rapture. I want both of those. I want to see both of those. I want to see a revival. I want my children and my grandchildren. They've heard stories. Of the the charismatic renewal, they've heard stories. Actually, my boys and I have been on the mission field, and we've seen God healing people and delivering people uh, t- together as we minister to them. I want to see a miracle revival. I want to see God move. And then I want to also be here for the rapture. There's <laughs> not a lot to see because it takes place pretty quick. But I want to be here for it. Well, wow. so we've got so we've got to stop complaining. We've got to stop calling <laughs> for things that already are. You know, what we, here's what Christians sometimes make a mistake. that they, they, they call things that are as though they're not. No, no, it doesn't say that. It says we call things that are not as though they are. You can't you can't call things that, that are as though they're not because they are. I mean, you can't say, you can't say, uh, I better not say it that way. You can't call things. You know, you can't say it's not, there's nothing bad going on in America. You can't say that. But you can say, God has called America. This is a Christian nation. You may again call for that. So tonight, for the rest of my time, I'm going to focus on the rapture. Because I started, I actually started this last week, but I'm going to give you a good review so you didn't really miss anything based on this review. So we began looking last week at a Scripture. Now, most of the time when you hear the scripture, you're at a funeral, just quite honestly. And they, and they read this because that's just what you read at a funeral. And, and, and it says this in, second, in first Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 through 17, it says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now those are great words, they're very comforting at a funeral, but let's look at them tonight. So I'm gonna look at well look at, here's what I'm gonna do. I realize that not everybody in the world agrees with me. What I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna take Greek words and we're gonna look at what they mean, and we'll we'll see some things from this. It says I mean for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and and remain, the word, the the phrase alive and remain, the Greek is is the phrase hazao, and they describe the living ones, the vibrant ones. It's talking about those who are not lifeless and dead, people who are alive. The word remain is an interesting word. The the, the word remain is ha haperilipomai in the Greek, and it means the remaining ones, the surviving ones, those who are left, indicating possibly not many. The word remain refers to a remnant, it coincides with what's written in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that states there will be a mass defection from the Christian faith just before the moment Jesus comes back. And we're going to look at that later on down the road, not tonight. But it says, those that are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. Unto is the Greek word ice, which means right up to the very moment of the coming of Christ. The word coming is the Greek word parousia, which is a technical expression for the royal visit of a king or an emperor, the arrival of one who alone has the power to deal with the situation. Can I just tell you when Jesus comes to take the church, he alone is able to deal with the situation. Jesus will come. When he returns, it will be a Perusia. He's going to come with power. It's going to begin putting everything that's in chaos back in order. I'm going to tell you when he takes the church, out of the earth, they're going to go nuts at first. And I told them last night, I would love to be able to watch CNN for just a few minutes that night just to hear what they have to say. How do you explain away all these people that are gone? And, and, and in particular, all the children are gone and they all get taken away. Man, moreover, it says, those who are alive at Christ's coming will not prevent them which are asleep. Not prevent means to not proceed or go before. So we're going to go after them. The phrase, them which are asleep, the Greek word is koimao Koimao means to sleep, to sleep deeply, the sleep of death. We get the word coma from koimao, the word catacomb from koimao. It describes those who died having faith in Christ. All right? In God's eyes, they're simply taking a nap at, the, at that point. All right, so that verse, and we could, I, I found an, a good interpretive version. It says, we declare to you this by the word of the Lord, those who are physically alive, who've survived everything, I'm talking about the remaining remnant that will still be left around at the time of the coming of the Lord, that living and surviving remnant will not precede those who have already died. Okay, so it's good if you've already died. It's good if you're still alive because both of them are going to the same place. Verse 16 says, now the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of an archangel with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is gonna be an exciting moment. It says, for the Lord himself shall descend. The word descend, the Greek word is katabino, Kata means down, coming down with force is what it means. It's a downward force. Bino means to step down, to come down, to move downward from a higher to a lower place or to descend. It pictures a downward movement with dominating force. You know the devil is the prince of the power of the air. You get it, right? When Jesus steps down, he's coming down with force because that is the realm that Satan uses. And when he comes down, there's nothing Satan can do to stop him. Because he's going to come down with force. I mean, he's going to come down from heaven means he's going to come directly from heaven. He will swiftly move from his high position in heaven, downward toward the earth with a dominating force to begin to put things together. I like this. It says, when he comes for his church, he himself will shout as he descends. Man, he's going to shout. The word shout is the Greek word, which means it, it, it describes a direct order, a command, a command used to arouse the horses, the charioteers, the soldiers, the hounds, the hunters, the rowers, the masters, the everybody. It, it, it is a command to attention. I'm, I told last night if you've ever seen the movie White Christmas, when being in... Uh, Danny are singing the White Christmas and then the thing is over and they're saying, we wish he could have been here. We could have the finish. And then all of a sudden, general's in the back and nobody knows you. And all of a sudden, he stands up and says, attention! And everybody stands up because he gave the order. It was a shout, a command. When Jesus comes back, he will make a command. He will shout something. And it's going to get the attention of everybody that's in the grave that knows him. And every one of us that know him that are alive and remain. I mean, and the voice of an archangel. He's going to shout. It's going to be accompanied by by the voice of an archangel, and the rapture is going to take place with that voice. The word voice is the Greek word phone. It means a voice, a sound, or a noise. It means to whirl. It depicts the sound of wings or water. It's a massive sound of a multitude, an overwhelming sound. They're not going to be able to explain it away on CNN. Jesus is going to shout, the archangel, is, with his voice, is it's going to be an overwhelming sound, and it's going to get the attention of all these people. And the trump of God—it's not enough that Jesus is shouting, that the archangel is is, is 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 using his voice, but there's a trump of God. the 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 uh, the, 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 the in the Greek it, it says it says God's trumpet. It depicts a war trumpet that calls to war, a war trumpet that announces a battle and predictively, an ultimate victory and the vanquishing of enemies at the very onset of the the military campaign. In other words, it's a trumpet call, but it's very prophetic. And it says, we're here. We're going to kick your butts now. (laughs) And it's from the very beginning, when that trumpet sounds, it says, we've already decided you've lost and there is no hope for you. I mean, Jesus, when he comes, you understand that's the beginning of the tribulation for them, it is the beginning of eternity for us. I mean, we've already begun eternity quite, quite honestly, but it's the beginning. Of, it's a whole different thing for us than for them. But the trumpet says, we've already won. We're just letting you know in advance. And so this trump of God plays. I mean, it, it, God is summoning his armies of heaven for war. And so this combination of this, of Jesus shout of the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, it's going to shake some stuff and the dead in Christ will rise again. My, 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 that's going to be quite the thing. The phrase dead in Christ, the, the Greek word is hanikros in Christos. It's talking about a lifeless corpse. There's no life in it at all. It refers to believers who have died and are buried in the earth of the sea, and somehow I don't know how it happens, but if they were burned in a fire, all those pieces come back together. All the ashes come back together. If their if their bodies are decayed into sand, it all comes back together. It, they, it just comes back together. The believers come; their, their spirits are in heaven now. It's because the Bible says to be absent from the Lord is to, be, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Somehow the spirit comes back, finds that body, the exact right one, and then they somehow that spirit jumps in that body and they jump out of the grave. Man, that's, wouldn't that be something to see? If you're driving down the highway, yeah. and all of a sudden, but, and it's, it happens fast, so nobody actually going to see it in detail, but I mean, just what happened? The cemetery blew up, but only part of them are gone. <laughs> Certain graves. I mean, that, that's going to be awesome when, when that happens. I mean, so it says, it says they've died, they're buried, they're being raised. It says they shall rise first, shall rise, the, the Greek word here is, is and this day may what it means to stand again to rise to be resurrected i mean they're going to stand but it also is the word used to depict the rising of kings and rulers therefore when the dead in christ are resurrected they'll be raised to rule as royalty with him in his kingdom and they're going to be the first to ever experience it I mean, they're going to rise. When, when that happens, man, it, they're first. The word Greek word is proton. It means first in order, in first place, to begin with. I mean, Jesus is going to come back, and that voice, I mean, he's going to shout. The, the archangel is going to shout or whatever, he, with his voice, do something. The trumpet sounds. Man, and all those people come out of the grave first. They get to do that first. I found this this version of it. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven to take charge with a mighty military command that will arouse the saints and galvanize God's troops to action. And along with that command, precisely at that time, also will be heard the immense voice of an archangel, along with the blast of God's war trumpet, to signal that the final battle, ultimate victory, and vanquishing of all God's enemies is about to occur. That war trumpet blast will be the indication that God's enemies have lost their long-standing battle with him, and that he reigns victorious and supreme over everyone, over every situation, and over every realm. Total victory. And exactly when that war trumpet sound goes forth, the dead in Christ will immediately stand upright on their feet as they're resurrected to a brand-new resurrected royal status. The resurrection will take place as first priority before the next sequence of events takes place. And here's the next sequence, and I, right now we fit in this category. Depends on how long Jesus waits, but this is our category right now. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. I like that. Immediately after the resurrection of the dead, the, the rapture of those who are alive in Christ will occur. It says then. The word then is is the Greek word and it means upon that moment exactly at that moment exactly then exactly when those people come out of the grave then we get he, then we get to go meet him in the air paul paul uses then he uses the same phrase then we which are alive and remain he talked about alive and remain earlier he, he, he's, he's saying he's saying those the living ones to the ones who are alive not lifeless or dead he's talking about the 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 ha perilipomai, the remaining ones, the surviving ones. He's talking about those who are left. I mean, in any case, maybe when Jesus comes back, there aren't going to be a whole lot. Maybe a lot of people falling away. But those who stay true to him, I'm going to tell you, you need to keep your eyes on him, keep focused on him. and we, Because there are going to be some people who are going to fall away, but it's not going to be us. All right, he's telling us that when, when he returns, he's going to call us up. Caught up together, the Greek word is is harpazohama, harpazo two words, and it says, It's a form of the word harpazo, which means to catch, to seize, to take away, to snatch immediately. It carries the idea of snatching someone out of danger just in the nick of time. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be in the nick of time. He's going to take the church in the nick of time. It will occur, apparently, at a dangerous moment. I mean, it's like when it looks ominously perilous for believers, Jesus is going to come and suddenly snatch us out of danger. Man, that's what we get to look forward to. It says we will meet him in the air. Man, the, the word meet is is anontesis, which means a meeting. It means to go to the reception, go to the encounter. It's a technical word used for the reception of a newly arrived official or royalty in the nick of time jesus is going to take us and it tells us that he is going to roll out the red carpet for us he's going to give us a vip reception and it's going to be the best moment of your life because jesus receives us in the air talking about the lower atmosphere again the devil's been paralyzed he can't do anything so he gives a shout the archangel voices his arrival the lord descends from heaven to the lower region of the atmosphere the shout galvanizes the angelic troops and resurrect the dead in Christ, and the Lord himself, it says, will seize and snatch away from imminent danger all that are alive in the earth. Amen. Man, that is an awesome, awesome thing. It, it's going to be this VIP reception. From then on, it says, ever be with the Lord. Ever be is is ponete, which, which means at all times, all the time, always, continually, perpetually. We will always be with the Lord. Always be with the Lord. That's what we have to look forward to. So that verse, we read this interpretation. Then at that exact synchronized moment, those who are still physically alive who have survived everything. I'm talking about the remnant that will stay left, that will be still be around and left remaining at this time. They will suddenly and supernaturally be snatched away out of imminent danger just in the nick of time. As the Lord instigates a divine rescue operation to transport them into the clouds to join those who have been resurrected. There, in the air's lower atmosphere, where the Lord has descended to meet them, those who were raised from the dead and the remnant who were supernaturally snatched out of danger will encounter the Lord. At that encounter, the Lord will roll out the red carpet to give the new arrivals a royal reception to match the vip vip status he knows they deserve then after that we will always at all times and forevermore be with the lord wow that's going to be a fantastic party i'm just going to tell you i mean that's amazing that's what we have to look forward to now in the next lesson We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51 and 52. We're going to look at what happens to our physical bodies. What's going to, what all that's going to take place as we are raptured. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight I thank you for the rapture. I thank you, Lord, that you're either going to send a revival or you're going to send a rapture. And they're both good. We are so grateful to you, Lord Jesus, that we are a part of those that remain. We are a part of those that either, I mean, I don't know how long you're going to wait, but we're either going to go in the first group or the second group, but they get there kind of at the same time, it seems like. But we're grateful that the rapture of the church, the resurrection of the saints, is the promise we have of God. And Father, we're grateful. We honor you tonight. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.